This is Urasawa Boys, a podcast where you read and discuss the works of uh, manga artist and author Naoki Urasawa. Uh, right now, we're reading Monster, and Monster deals with a lot of dark and troubling topics and themes, so a list of content warnings is going to be available in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Sour boys, come in, come in. We made some soup. We made some, we made some great soup. I'm, I'm Quinn. I'm Matt Fennell. Um, what kind of soup back. do you like? Hang on. Now what that we're doing the soup, soup yeah, what's your favorite kind here. of soup? <laughs> since we're in here. the middle of the summer. Are we including? Well, actually, you know what? It's funny. We, it's funny we bring this up because just before we started recording, I quickly ate a bowl of ramen. Um, steaming hot and and uh, drank all the broth steaming hot and so I actually got sweaty because you know how it is when you drink when you drink ramen broth really quickly and you get and you get sweaty. Yeah, I think I think ramen counts as soup. That's that's a good well, one. Ramen's a ramen's a soup for sure. Uh, but what's my absolute favorite soup? Now, are we including stews or is this just soups? Uh, I would say yeah. Let's let's include stews. Why not? Okay, if we're including stews than a beef stew if we're going for just soups however i do i am really partial to a well-made french onion okay oh yeah no that's a good poll i'm i'm a simple boy i think potato soup is is like my favorite a good potato soup potato soup does kill yeah like a corn chowder yes i do like a corn chowder a lot my Um, god yeah we'd get those uh the soup mixes from the grocery store every once in a while that was like the bag of all that dried stuff and there's all that corn just in there and all the other good stuff down at the bottom. Have you ever done one of those? That feels like a very mid-2000s grocery store item for some reason. Well, they, just because that's when I was a kid and that's when we were eating. Yeah, yeah. I, don't know if, I don't know about that. I was always, you know, I was always just a regular canned soup kind yeah. of boy. And I was, I was raised on, on ramen, that's for sure. We used to have um, like this green plastic bowl. And at the time, I didn't know that it wasn't a good idea to put hot water in plastic. So that was my ramen bowl. Yeah. I, um, I ate, so I went to the Asian market not too long ago and I got a big thing of kimchi and a big thing of miso, um, for some cooking that I've been doing with my, with my farm box vegetables. Um, uh-huh. and they have it, they had a huge ramen corner. Uh, and I was like overwhelmed by the <laughs> amount of choices. So many brands I hadn't seen before. It all looked very good. So I ended up buying none of it because that's, that's how I function when presented with a lot of choices is I completely shut mm. down. I went to a really good ramen restaurant, uh, on the lower East side a couple of weeks ago with a friend. And it was like this, like slow roasted pork broth that was, had like Ooh. all this gelatin, you know, like in it, it was super yeah, yeah, thick. Yeah. And it was one of the few times, like, I go to a place and I can't finish the food. There was so much fucking ramen in that bowl. It was crazy. Jeez. Pretty good. Um, Maybe I want ramen for dinner. That does sound very good. Hey, maybe you do. And, listener, maybe you do, too. Maybe you're getting a little hungry. Join the ramen club. This has, in case anyone's wondering, absolutely nothing to do with today's reading. 
No, uh, but people like it when we do little little bits. Like when we talked about um, me getting a patty melt or some of those other ones that we've done. Oh, you get like your chicken sandwich milk. adventure, yeah. the drinking vinegar. <laughs> like these are these are what people tune in for. It's a, I'm I'm a culinary guy, you know. Yeah. I just like I just like the food stuff. So. We have to have food minute, I think, before the episodes now is what Definitely, this is revealing. Totally. Well, yeah. ooh, interesting. It's a ooh, we'll see. We can't make it an official segment because then it loses the magic. But Right, right. But when it's time for for the food corner it's definitely time Mm -hmm. this week we are reading chapters 87 through uh 95 95 i think yeah yeah 87 through 95 uh which comprises the first half of perfect edition volume 6 and the entirety of regular edition volume Eleven. What are we going to do when we get to a Urasawa work that like the American releases map up with the regular Tonkavons? It's just going to make life so much easier. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is a bit. Um, I mean, really, we do not have to mention. Yeah, because we don't have any Japanese reader listeners. I hope we do. Um, I think that would be fun. That would be cool. I would like that a lot. Although one expects they probably have their own Urasawa boys. That started ten years ago. Wow. I don't know what I don't know how podcasting is over there. Um, I now I gotta know about, about yeah. the Japanese podcasting culture. I mean, if they have a TTRPG culture, one expects, but you never know what's going on. Although it is interesting to bring it up because later in this reading there is an interesting thing to bring up vis-a-vis the perfect editions and the Tonko bonds. So okay, yeah, because I had a question about this from yeah. because so I have bookmarked on my uh, my home computer the list of chapters of monster because i use that when i'm writing the descriptions oh, and stuff is like there that a, another discrepancy there all right well pin pin in that. yeah we can talk about it because it might come up uh-huh. interesting okay um in the meantime otherwise uh hey friends 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 it's june happy pride everybody happy pride everyone and that's relevant to today's episode. Yep. I was going to say we should probably do like a double content warning. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's going to be in the show notes. But of course, if you've been not reading the show notes, um, then just just so you know, there is a pretty good spoiler here for, for transphobia in this reading. And we'll get to the details of it here in this first chapter. Again, I just want to yeah. very briefly pause to say how bad the initial content warnings were. Like, because I ripped those from, it was like some website that just has content warnings for anime, right? So, because I just was Googled. Was it or was it? No, it was something different. I'll find does what they, it was. Does the Inu Shinu. Well, because like if it's, if it's user supported, I'm going to go in and update them. Um, mm-hmm. Because like the, sure. I think it was just like a Tumblr where someone was just posting like anime content warnings. They were so severely lacking. Like I've had to go in and edit these a couple times, like on our yeah. episode description. So, I mean, cause like the first thing that it was completely missing was Nazism. And now, uh, like Quinn said, some pretty f- severe transphobia, uh, it's, in, it's in this reading. Pleasant. Yeah. Um, so to me, keep yourself safe. I, I think probably we'll have, um, in the show notes, we'll just have little timestamps for, for that conversation. Yeah. I think or at least the core of that conversation so that, you know, if uh, if you don't want to deal with that while listening to your fun Times Media Analysis podcast, you don't gotta. You can just skip, click skip. Skip. Yeah. Um. Oh, maybe I can figure out how to do chapters. Like, because I know that's a thing oh, you can do in podcasts. Man, that, sounds like, that sounds like a lot of work, but as long as you're doing it. I will try uh, to do it. Yeah, I mean, because if you're going you're gonna to do the edit on this one mostly, so I, I yes. might be able to do that. We'll see how it goes. 
Yeah, uh, do we have any overall thoughts on this reading before we jump in? I think I think this one's good. I think this is a really fun one. I think I liked last week's reading better. Um, I don't have... Well, I mean, I, I was about to say I don't have as many notes, but I mean, I have five pages of notes like I always do. So, um... I think I have I don't, more I don't know. notes for this reading. I think I like this reading better than better than last week's. Okay, some, maybe yeah. I I would say this is I don't know. There's I think there's some chapters that have a lot to talk about, but then there's other chapters where it's just yeah. like I don't know. That's just kind of very standard. There's plot yeah, happening. It's I, I, there's definitely some chapters here that feel like they're you know we we talk about like setup chapters and payoff yes. chapters, right? And the thing is that. Setup is easier to, to analyze than payoff because the point of analyzing the setup is to go, you know, you're kind of gambling. You're going, what's going to happen? Well, what's, what's the payoff going to be? What do we think this is setting up? What do we think this is doing? And while payoffs can play into themes, they can do important stuff, a lot of times it's just less, in, they're more interesting to experience than they are to discuss. Uh, so we'll be able to put that to the test here. Um, yeah, well, I, I think this one closes on a banger for sure. Oh, like that last yeah, chapter yeah, is totally. an all-timer. Um, there's good action stuff in here. I mean, last time the I action, said... There's a, there's a chapter in here that has some of the best action we've seen yet. Yep. Mm -hmm. Like, it's really time. good. Can't wait to talk about that. Yeah, and yeah. last time I mean I said, you know, I hope we get more Detective Sook, um, air I really like stuff. What, I really like what happens with, with Sook in this, in this reading. Yeah. Uh, I think I think he really we can kind of see his purpose a little bit more clearly here. Uh and that's really exciting. Um okay, I think I think that's enough. Yeah, we can preamble. we can dig into it. Yeah. Um okay. The reading begins with chapter 87 titled Double Darkness. One of the best chapter titles so far. It is <laughs> so goofy. I love it so much. <laughs> it opens with Tenma speaking to uh, an old fellow about uh, the three frogs. And he says that it's a sign for a very old inn that used to exist. But more recently, a woman and her one beautiful child lived there until she and her kid were taken away, possibly for anti-government activities. We cut to Jan and... Anna, Nina, question mark, at the bar, and Jan is just absolutely spilling his guts, and he says that somehow he feels like he can tell her anything. We learn a little bit uh, about Jan, and we also, uh, you know, Anna, Anna slash Nina tells him not to tell anyone about the safe deposit box or the keys to it, um, because she's worried about him. She returns home, takes off her wig, washes off her makeup. It's Johan. Womp, womp, womp. So, Ty got it. He got it really good. And uh, he... Yeah, Tyler hit the nail on the head for that one. I'm going to just drop the clip in here right now because it's so funny. I, I have a theory, and I do not... I do not know if it is an accurate theory. I do not think this is Nina. I think this is Johan. I kind of hope that's not the case, because then that would kind of feed into, like, some, like, trans-panic attitudes of, like, oh, you know, the person posing as a woman who's, like, secretly a serial killer. But, uh, 
Like listening back to that, because I read, I kept reading after we recorded that Sunday, mm-hmm. and like thirty minutes after yeah. he said that, <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Fuck, he was that. right." He was he was super right. And okay, so let's before we talk about the story or anything, because it just feels better to talk about it. We should do this at the top, at, at the top, so that it's not like in the middle of everything else. Okay, so what happens here is that Johan has been taking nina's uh not taking nina's place but but pretending to be nina or as he knows her anna um in order to i don't know do crimes get close to yon Suk. like what is i don't it's very unclear the actual reason for why he's doing this is completely unclear because well hang on real quick and i mean the implication is when he Mm -hmm. was here as a child from stuff that we get later in the reading like this seems like just how he operated when he was here in, in Prague was because Nina says a thing about she came home and was welcomed by herself. And, you know, mm-hmm. like you said, the bystander was like, yeah, they had one child, you know, and exactly. it was unclear if it was a boy or a girl. It just seems like this kind of uh, ambiguous gender presentation it, at the very least is is how Johan worked when he was in yes. Prague. Right. And. And this basically, the whole thing of man pretending to be woman in order to trick another man, you know, into into getting close to him, into being romantic with him, um, this is a transphobic trope, right? Extremely. This isn't this isn't something that happens in real life. This is this is not this has not been something that has ever happened in real life because trans people are not tricking anyone. Uh, but the image, the concept of of the man dressing up as a woman to trick them, it is it, it emerges from the perception of trans people as pretending or mm. as tricking, as being deceitful, as hiding who they really are, right? And and uh, of course, trans people that uh, are who they really are, they are being completely honest you know, with themselves. Uh, but of course, uh, some, uh, some bigoted folk feel otherwise. Right. And this is also an interesting move culturally because this particular flavor of transphobia is extremely Western in nature, coming very strongly from the Western cinematic tradition of transphobia. Um, and if you guys are curious about this, um, before, before the whole, before the whole thing with with like a, a tweet she made or something, Lindsay Ellis made a very very good video uh, called "Tracing the Roots of Pop Culture Transphobia." And if you watch that video and then read this section, it is one to one. You see exactly the tradition that Urasawa was was in, which is this idea of the man with uh, with confused gender presentation, whether he is internally confused or is intending to be externally confusing. This is a this is a monstrous thing. Um it is it is if not evil at the very least deceitful in in an in a not good way. Um and it's especially, you know, like you can make arguments for there being a basis and character for this. I think Urasawa actually tries pretty hard to make an actual character basis for this. That doesn't change the fact that this is a transphobic trope and yeah, it, and I mean in, I I will just yeah. say very quickly like 
tropes like this, stories that do this thing, this is like my first knowledge of the concept of trans people comes from, you know, as a kid reading Stephen King books, reading other books that like people who were trying to knock off Stephen King, like, you know, there's the character who, uh oh, they have a wig and breast forms and stuff in their closet and they're secretly a freak, right? Like this is, mm-hmm. this comes from, it's, you know, it's, it's reactionary. It's, I, like you said, there's a there's a long tradition of it, and it is it is very 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 ingrained in certain types of stories. So like you can see, like you said, it doesn't make you, you know. You said it's a it's a Western idea of this thing, and we've said before, like, hey, these are the types of stories that Urasawa is pulling from, and clearly likes and grew up reading and watching and stuff like that. So like, yeah, this is just another move from that toolbox. Like it's a horrible shitty move, right? But yeah. like you can and, and absolutely not excusing it at all, yeah. right? But it was, it was it was, you know, it was one that especially in the 90s. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of peak for this uh and I think mm-hmm. you could if I had to guess, right? If I had to guess, this is Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, I think you're right. It it feels like Silence of the Lambs to me. And I think the I think the thing is, is that just the idea of Johan dressing up as Nina, pretending to be, you know, you know, by, by itself, I think that honestly could have been pulled off without being transphobic because there is interesting character basis for it. However, there is one sequence and one panel in particular that erases all doubt uh, about this, this perspective on, on gender weirdness. Is it the smile? It's the smile. It's this horrible, horrible thing. You know, so we get this sequence. We we're in the bathroom because, of course, it's the bathroom. This the the ultimate yeah, the location obsession with bathrooms. Of, of uh, you know, it's it's his private bathroom, but still, um, you know, and he takes he takes the wig off, and the thing is, we don't see his face at all as he washes his face and takes his makeup off, and then he looks up into the camera, into the mirror, and he has a truly evil smile on. And here's the thing: we haven't seen Johan do an evil smile or have an evil face until this moment. Mm-hmm. This is this is very much a revelation of of the depths of his evil and and the depths of of his non-normativity and it is connected with uh having having non-normative gender gender presentation for deceitful purposes or for internal purposes like it's it's muddy and it's weird and and and, and it's supposed to be horrifying word. i mean like yeah exactly. it's the the smile is very scary and it's just the whole thing sucks. Um, yeah, it it's, sucks. It's too bad, I think, is, is the, yeah. is the easiest way to put it. Because it is a completely shitty thing that's interwoven with other very cool, interesting things. Yeah. You know, and they're I mean, I have a lot of notes about this chapter other. and a lot of the things that it does that I like, right? But, like, man, that just... I think you said it's it's a can of worms that has been lobbed into the middle of this story. Yes. And it, it yeah. really is. So, I don't know. I... I do not feel like I you've you've pretty much said it better than I can. I don't really have too much more to add or anything to add. I think I think we've addressed it rather thoroughly at this yeah. point. You know, but just but just readers, it sucks. Um, and if you're curious about why it sucks, uh, there's a lot of good places to go, and that Lindsay Ellis video is a good place to start. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and I I do think it's important yeah. that we have this conversation. Um, just because like you know a lot of times when people do podcasts or videos or you know essays about things that they like 
um, a lot of times in fandom spaces, there's pushback, right? Like, okay, if you like this thing, why are you being so mean to it, right? And I, I do truly think, you know, I'm not going to go full black pill, like, oh, media literacy is dead, <laughs> people can't do criticism, stuff like that. But like, I do think that one thing that gets lost sometimes is a very important thing, a very important part of talking about things that you like is talking about the parts that you don't think work right like you have to be able to you know i'm not going to go full in order for there to be highs there have to be lows but i I think you have to be able to talk about the mechanics of how a thing functions what you like what you don't in order to like i think that that's just good criticism i don't think good criticism is just pr right like selling a thing regardless so we can i you know i don't think anyone in our listenership is going to be mad at us for addressing this but i do think it's like hey it's important that you, when you see something that you think is shitty in something that you really like, you say, hey, that thing's shitty. That doesn't mean that we're yeah. saying the whole thing is like, you know, you got to write it off, throw it out. But I think it would be negligent if we didn't address it. And talking about like mechanics, right? I mean, let's like the cultural mechanics of this are clear. This is the kind of thing that indirectly contributes to violence. And if that sounds mm-hmm. hyperbolic, I'm sorry, it's not. It's not. It, you know, like, that's why I put indirectly in there. If I said directly, that might be hyperbolic. Indirectly, no. That's very much, you know, like dehumanizing dehumanizing someone based on the fact that they are not presenting their gender in a normative way. That, it, one, two, three, it all goes. Um, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate. But I would like to talk about the actual, like, story stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so thanks for thanks for tuning in uh and let's actually let's actually talk about the chapter uh since i kind of took point on that there matt what uh where do you want to begin here yeah so the first note that i have and this was something that came up a couple episodes ago um i think it was in the conclusion to the uh munich stuff right uh there's a lot of times the chapters will start with all black right there's like panels in all black and you yeah. mentioned you're like hey this is a very common shorthand for flashback mm-hmm. um and i've noticed it happens a lot at the beginning of chapters now like since you've mentioned it i have been on the lookout for it um but i this chapter starts that way i don't know if it's flashback or not but i do think it's i like this approach that it kind of takes for a second right where it's like oh this guy's talking to someone who we see talking to it's almost like a man on the street oh, yeah. segment in a documentary right where it's like Oh, is someone's being interviewed about something that happened here. And I think that that's an interesting viewpoint. You're totally right. Yeah, that we haven't really taken before. Um, and I, it's it's really interesting to imagine, okay, if you were going to tell this story as a documentary after the fact, like, what does that look like? I, just like an, an interesting thought experiment. Um, but then from there, I, it jumps into what Tyler called out as one of his favorite things, right? When it's like, oh, surprise, Tenma is here as well. Uh, and it, it just almost, it almost feels like an editor's note, right? Where it's like, Hey, we haven't seen Dr. Tenma in a while. Uh, and he's <laughs> yeah. not really in the rest of the chapter. It's like, just throw him in here. So people remember that he is yeah, the main around. character. Yeah. Um, so I, I like the way this one opens a lot. Uh, and the, uh, you know, kind of that ambiguity that gets introduced at the start of, right. Of Johan and, and Nina slash Anna being one entity, you know, the kid was gone, but the kid was still there um yeah it sets it all up i like yeah i it you know it's too bad that that becomes transphobic because i think that's like an 
an interesting thing to think about and analyze. Like, because we've talked so much about split personalities, yeah. stuff like that. Um, so it's, I, I think this chapter starts strong. And again, it's not like, you know, like the, the concept of, the concept of Johan, uh, being identified with Nina in, in a way that bestranged his selfhood is mm. fascinating. It is purely, I think the transphobia here is a purely in the execution. Um, or at least 90% in the execution, probably 10% in, in the concept. Uh, he could have, he could have, uh, gotten information out of Suk without, without being in, without being dressed up. Um, yeah. But I really like this, this man on the street guy. And in case anyone here is like, how is, how is Tenma talking to this guy? He doesn't know Czech. Speaking German is very common in the Czech Republic even today, and was even more common back then, you know, in the time after German occupation, uh, and when it was, you know, like, very close to East Berlin. Uh, the Nazis did a lot of, they did a lot of, they put a lot of work into trying to wipe out Czech culture, um, and did not totally manage it, uh, but, you know, speaking, speaking German is pretty, pretty common there. So, there you go. In case anyone wanted uh, yeah wanted i was to, gonna ask because yeah. it, it comes up a little bit later and that's kind of what i figured um but i from context clues but yeah yeah um another note so we get a nice full title page where we see the sign Utrijab. um and so there's a couple interesting things about this in the original manga run and in the original tonkabon run this was actually Trijaba, which is three frogs or the three frogs uh, but this is utrijab which is at the three frogs uh, so they changed the name uh, for the perfect edition is there a reason why they did that no i don't know honestly maybe that's a more common like way to title establishments um but but i know that they i know that they changed it hmm yeah also, just one more fun fact. You guys can uh, see here that the R in three has a has a little ma uh, little guy over it, little arrow. That actually is a special phoneme that only exists in Czech. No other language has this, uh, and I can't do it very well. But it is basically it's like an R, but you also whistle at the same time. Uh, like so it's it's so if you guys like look up um, uh, Czech check numbers like there's a little video where it's uh, where they like count to 10 and they say like three tlc you know it's and you listen to that and you're like how the fuck do you make that sound uh even for natives it can be very difficult i i knew a guy um named Andre, which like he he's a native and he had to get like vocal training to say his own name properly <laughs> as a kid because it's just a difficult a difficult sound to make Anyway, that's wild. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I li I yeah. like that. It's a really cool. It's a really cool fact about Czech. Uh, they just have their own phoneme just for them. Uh, so hardly anyone ever saw her, and they na say her name was fake. Uh, then one day, a black car pulled up and took both of them away. Rumor had it she was involved in some kind of anti-government movement. It wasn't rare for people to just disappear like that. Um, you know, during the reign of terror, so before the communist uh, regime. Um, okay. And I'm not sure. One thing I forgot to I forgot to check on was uh, what the like how long the period was between the Nazis and the Soviets coming in. But I guess it was a bad time. I feel silly for not if we're not checking on that time. Period. Honestly, like the length of the Cold War becomes a plot critical thing in a way that I was not expecting. Um, oh yeah, when you're in Prague, it really gets dialed up. Like 
like East versus West, the the thing coming down, the Soviet occupation, like all of that is very very important. Yeah, no, it's um, it's there's so there's a lot of good stuff in that first part, um, and then the majority of the rest of the chapter, like you said, is the Sook, uh, Nina slash Anna stuff. Um, the first note that I have here. Well, they had the discussion where he asked her her name again, and he says the thing, you need to know people's names and roles to build trust, which I thought the roles part of that was interesting to me. Um, I, I don't know why that's that's kind of a weird thing to say. That's not that is not be, the way that I feel, but it, it, it might be. And I could be wrong here. Uh, it might actually be a holdover from a, um, a Japanese perspective. Okay. Because it's very important in, in Japanese culture to know where you stand in relation to another okay. person, like, before you know how to relate to them. Um, and so, like, so it could just be a little bit of, a little bit of Japanese culture uh, uh, sinking in here. Yeah. Uh, or maybe Jan is just very, a very formal person. Yeah. I, I mean, I do really like that yeah. he is, I mean, like, my man is down bad if he's going on this many dates with her and still does not know her name. Yeah. But I like that they established that this is something that's important to her because of the way that it gets deployed, like, at the end of their sequence, right? Like, honestly, the writing of this whole sequence makes me excited for some of the more... I don't know, like, we do, what you said that Urasawa stuff before this, there's the tennis manga, and then there's another one, right? Like, that's that, that has another female lead character. Yaura, yeah. Right, uh, that I think you would, like, if you were to put it in an American genre, would it be more lean towards, like, rom-com or something like that than... Hard for me to say. Yeah, we don't know for sure, but, like, yeah, I, I would be very either. interested in seeing Urasawa write a story in the rom-com genre because quinn i don't know if you know this about me like i love rom-coms just movies um i think they're the good ones are like a good one is very good and i think it's fascinating to think about what makes bad and boring ones bad um and i bring that up because i think that this date sequence is good for so many reasons like a lot of the stuff that happens like when they leave like i I've I've written down my notes on what makes this work. Um and I just think it's like man, he is he can do every genre. <laughs> oh, totally. I mean, Urasawa, I mean like it's interesting you talk about romance, right? Because uh a, a rom-com is a very formulaic style of fiction. Mm -hmm. Um and then you look at some of the other stuff that we know Urasawa has a fondness for. He loves horror, he loves uh crime thrillers. These are also mm -hmm. very formulaic uh styles of fiction, you know. Um and I, I think when we've when we've seen him bringing in other genres, he does so by incorporating bits of their formula into here. It's a very honestly, I think it's a very intellectual approach um, to to story composition that he takes, uh, and I think we see that. I think you see that in in Billy Bat too. Um, uh, you see it in his current series, Asadora. Uh, he's Urasawa or, or Pluto. I mean, fuck. I mean, you want to talk about taking taking a story formula and and trying to you know and doing something on top of that or with that. I mean, it's just Pluto a reinterpretation a remake, of the yeah a reinterpretation. You know, so this is this is a territory and a style of work that Urasawa really loves to to live in. He's like, how like what can I what can I use this this style for how do i how do i make this work for me how do i put it into this story and what can i use it for and here we can we can really see it 
uh, being leveraged for this this one sided connection that that Jan is having with with Johan. Um, and this conversation he has is also really fun because you know he says like he's he's giving us a lot of quite dense uh, exposition here. <laughs> which is which is fun but we also get character moments and i think the one that's the most telling is uh him saying there's so much darkness so close to our everyday world and um and i'm sorry i'm talking so much but i'll just get this out and then give the mic back to back to matt but this strikes me as being very very this strikes me as an echo of a few readings ago when lotta was also mm. uh, uh, uncovering uh, what was going on with the monster and, and also feeling that, that, that feeling of there's so much darkness, I don't understand, how can all of this be so close to us? Uh, and that also happened during a chapter where, where another lighter genre was pulled in. Um, so it's, it's another instance of Urasawa using these patterns that we know of from more easygoing genres to show us a character that is in the process of changing genres yeah well it happens with it happens with nina in her introduction mm -hmm. it happens it, does. With, it happens with richard in his chapter right oh, where he's fuck. he's police procedural oh, i wait, think this, this is, is really like we you've unlocked something right like yeah, there's all of these characters from other genres that then get dragged into into this one. Oh, it's good this oh. is a good story <laughs> Yeah, um, um, that's really fun. Man, I I like it a lot. Um, just kind of flipping through. It is funny that Jan goes, in the end, you can only trust yourself. And then the very next page, he says, somehow I feel like I can tell you anything. <laughs> buddy. Oh, buddy. Oh, boy. It's too bad. Um, I, I like when they're walking down the street. You know, he's talking about his childhood wanting to be a detective. He does the little thing where he's mimicking shooting a gun, right? Like mm -hmm. talking about how he used to play detectives growing up. Yeah. Um, and then they see a couple across the street making out and both of them get nervous, right? And like, I think that is, you know, afterwards with the light of everything that happens, it's, you know, a bit more manipulative, but I do think it's very cute. Like the idea that the two of them are nervous seeing this other couple making out and it's like, uh Oh, what are we supposed to do? Like, Oh, are we going to, are we going to make out? Yeah. I don't know. Um, I actually feel like, I think, uh, I think it's just that gets, that gets, it's nervous. mostly him. Yeah. Yeah. Johan seems unbothered. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, and then, uh, you know, there's a very good moment where uh, she, he reveals that he has the key. And then Johan says, I'm worried about you. Don't tell anyone about this. Why, right? Yeah. Which before the reveal reads as like a very nice, sweet thing. Totally. And then after the reveal, it's like, oh, master of manipulation. Right? Like covering he the tracks. Pulls in, he pulls in Suk's mom. He's like, do you, know, do you know why your mom didn't want you to be a cop? She wanted to protect you, just mm -hmm. like me. You know, and so this is, it's a very quick, like, we see exactly how Johan works, which is people tell him something uh, about their childhoods, and then it, he knows exactly how to use that button and push on it. Um, which 
puts me in mind of just a quick tangent about the video game Life is Strange. A lot of people like <laughs> it. I don't like it. You know what you do in that video game? You have time power, so you can go back in time. So what you do is you talk to people, and then you, like, learn one of their secrets, and then you go back in time, so that then you can, like, pretend like it's just a really good guess, and then that gets them to do something you want, and it's just, this is clearly manipulative behavior, and I don't know why anyone thinks the main character of that game is actually a good person, because if you were actually doing those things in real life, you'd be a bad person. Uh, Monster's <laughs> a pretty good manga, <laughs> Anyway, uh, the sequence where uh, Johan's walking through the alleys and the people around are, are saying hi. They're saying hi. Hello, Anna. Lovely evening. You know, and um, so he's been living here for, I don't know, at least a week, a week or two. Like, he's been living as Anna to at least some degree, uh, which, which again, is just more of the, the transphobia, like, but he's not actually Anna. That's mm -hmm. like that's the horror of it is that he's living as something that he isn't actually and he's doing it on purpose and he knows he's being deceitful. Um, just again, that's what transphobes think trans people are doing. It is not, uh, you know, and then there's the whole sequence. And at the end, Johan says the key to a safe deposit box. Hmm? And I think that's all I have to say about this chapter. Yeah. Um, oh, the the last note that I had, and it's you know it's it's before we get into the transphobia yeah spiral. But the mm -hmm. my favorite part of them of the end of that date is uh, Johan Nina walks away right, and Suke is just still standing there watching her walk away, and she turns around to wave right, and of course he's he's still watching like. Man, that's just the best. That is the best when 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 someone looks back and you you know when you get that you're splitting up and you both turn around and look at each other like very good Aww, thumbs up. Cute. Um, so we can. It's too bad that that was a move. Uh, because that is that is a, that is a nice bad. thing when it, it happens. Is too bad. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have anything else for eighty-seven, so I think we Let's move, move on, on to eighty-eight, which is titled remnants of a monster um in the uh, maybe it's in the original Tonkabon, maybe it's just a translation that pops up on wikipedia this one was called after image of a monster which is a title that i think i like a little bit more this strikes me as probably just a different translation yeah yeah after image of a monster is that is hmm that does have a bit of a flavor well, there's a reason why I like that title a little bit more, and it's for a moment that happens. Um, but it's uh, they're they're very oh, similar. Yeah, yeah, I see what you say. Uh, I I see what you say. Yeah. Uh, okay, hit us with that summary. Okay, right so here's the summary. In the wake of the revelations about the former heads of the Czech police and their ties to the old secret police, a new group of investigators is brought in to root out corruption once and for all. The new police chief, Chief Nepola, meets with Detective Sook to commend him on his work in finding the previous corruption and to get updates on how he's working his next case, in which Sook denies any knowledge of a tall man connected with Zemin's murder. After the meeting, Nepola assigns some of his men to follow Sook and report back. Sook goes to meet with Grimmer at a cafe out in the open. The two talk about staying safe amid all of the chaos and conspiracy, and Grimmer states that if someone really wanted to kill them, they'd already be dead. They discuss going to the safety deposit box holding Petrov's notes, and Grimmer points out that Sook is being tailed. The two stand to leave, and Grimmer is struck with a wave of terror and an image of the blonde woman that appeared when he was being tortured in the basement by Zemin. Grimmer and Sook leave, and Grimmer's suspicions are confirmed in two ways. Sook has been followed, and the blonde woman was here in the form of Johan, watching the two of them. 
Sook and Grimmer get to the bank, where a nervous manager admits them access to the deposit box after making a call, and the two play the tape, which is indeed from Kinder five, Kinderheim 511 and is indeed from Johan. So that's kind of what I meant by the title was there's that there's that panel. Yeah, the of panel where Grimmer whipping around and thinking that he's seen this blonde woman when really what he's seen is is Johan. Um pretty yeah, that is that is good. But remnants works as well because what they find in the bank is the it's you know, remnants. it's these it's these things that were left behind from the monster. So they both yeah. I think both I translations work. I think they could work. have translated it as echo. Echo were cool. echo echoes is good. I like that. Yeah. Um. Do we have a lot to say about this chapter? This feels like uh, one of the chapters that the summary kind of does the work on. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a whole lot. the The one note that I have is the when the new guy, when Chief Nepal gets brought in, he's talking about mm-hmm. the proud work of policing. Uh, and I just noted that as an interesting phrase. I think he also says, "Let your conscience be your guide." Yeah. It's like I think very clearly it's flagging to the to the readers that like these are the good the good cops are finally here, right? Which is why I, it's like a setup for what happens next. Be, uh, you know they're they're tailing Sook because he's he's suspicious, like rightfully so. It's suspicious this dude has been able to rise to the ranks. A bunch of his superiors were murdered, but I think it's it's the story is working really hard to be like, hey, you have seen so many bad cops in the past couple chapters. Like, don't worry. These ones are the good guys um, mm. because of the way that they get deployed, like as it, as it continues to go on. Interesting. Maybe. 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 I don't know if I'm fully, I don't know if I'm fully sold on that, but I, I think, I think there is a definitely a chance. Like it's, uh, yeah, maybe. I'll give that a strong maybe. Um, I mean, as always, a cab, you know, like we always say, yep. but it's, this is a story. It's a, say. it's a detective story. There's cops are going to be main characters in this story. Yeah. I think I have a, couple notes uh one of which is that uh where where is it where is it yeah 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 so they're at the cafe and grimmer is like nowhere's safe if someone wants to attack you they can do it anywhere for example from that window and then suka's like oh man and then somebody sets the glass down and it makes a dawn sound um, oh, which is of course a, also a sound effect for a gunshot, uh, which is <laughs> cute, you know, because it's that's the kind of um, that's the kind of sonic pun that we don't really get because obviously to us, you know, a glass being set down, you know, like bam. Even if it said that, I I feel like our relationship to sound effects isn't strong enough for that to really get across. Like we wouldn't be like, oh, this is like a gunshot sound pun. But I think maybe I think maybe uh for for someone that's more uh, I think I think that that pun might uh, Well, I might push back a little cuz I think if you sound affected it bang, I think it would work in the same bang. way. But like Maybe I, oh, actually maybe you might be right. But bang okay. you can't really use for anything aside from a gunshot, I don't think. So I don't like know if Don kind of is multi-purpose, yeah. Bang. Um <laughs> I he's drinking orange juice with a straw, which I think is disgusting. <laughs> I disapprove of that drinking from a straw out of that out of that glass of orange juice. My guess is that's a space constraint choice. Yeah, because like there's a lot of talking that has to happen in this sequence, and these are not big panels. And mm-hmm. if Grimmer drank like a normal person, uh, his face would be hidden by the glass. 
It is also funny when Grimmer's like, don't look to your left. Jan immediately looks to his left. Of course he does. Yeah. I mean, I, I would too. I don't yep. blame him. Um, the motion blur that it does when it zooms in on Johan, like as yeah. uh, on the reveal, like extremely 90s. Very good. Yeah, it is. It's super 90s. It's super fun. Did you see Johan in when, when Grimmer initially looks around? Because he's there. I flipped back after the yeah. reveal and found the panel where it's like, yeah, you can see him. And I was like, oh, that's that's good. I like that. Isn't that fun? Isn't that fun? I think that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. We weren't cheating there, which is like I always a fan when you when you make it work like that. Mm-hmm. And then they go to the safety thing. They begin to hear. They they begin to listen to the tape. My name is Johan. End of chapter. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's 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 a good chapter. It's it's pretty quick. Um, mm, but definitely. what it, it is a very good way to end. Um, that sure is the scaredest blank bank clerk of all time <laughs> checking them yeah. in to see that safety deposit box. It's good. I think we can move on to 89. Okay. Chapter 89 is called Replay. Grimmer and Johan listen to the interview... Wait. No. Grimmer and Jan listen to the interview with Johan. And Grimmer notes that this interview is being conducted under the influence of drugs. Johan's been drugged. He tells... Jan, that the former Czech secret police are gonna be after them now that they've listened to it. Uh, Jan takes the tape with him to bring it to a safe place. And then a couple of special investigators from headquarters show up at his apartment. He tells them, well, he's got nothing to hide. And so they search his apartment. And what do they find but the whiskey bonbons that were poisoned? He's being set the fuck up. Um, also, somebody gave him a lot of money in his bank account, so yeah, he's being set up real, real good. And he goes to his room to change his shirt before they take him downtown, and then he stops changing because he smells gunpowder. Uh, he opens the door as we cut to Grimmer going up the stairs to his apartment and passing Johan as Nina coming down the stairs. Grimmer opens the door to find Jan standing in his living room with the dead bodies of the special investigators around him. End of chapter. Uh, this is another one that I don't, I don't have a ton of notes on. Uh, I, I did note at the beginning of the chapter when they listened to the tape, I liked the shot of the two of them listening to it. They're both in like ready position there. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it, it's like, good. Grimmer's, Grimmer's acting you know, um, or like his character work, his, his, his face during this scene. He's so sad and so worried. Okay, that's a good read on it, because I was trying to figure out what his... I mean, because at one point the, he becomes too distraught for them to continue listening and yeah. stops it, which I think is interesting because this is the same effect that the story had on Lada, right? Was Well, I mean, she was able to finish it, but the thing that she says is like, I feel sick reading this, right? Like, it makes me feel terrible what is up with this um so there's some supernatural monstrousness to this story um because you you mentioned that during the during the summary right that what he does is he he reads off the story of the nameless monster or recites the story of the nameless monster i don't think i mentioned that no but but he does yeah johan recites the story of the nameless monster and also uh, claims to have uh he he says his name is Hans and Otto and Thomas, which I know. like because those are the yeah. names of the, the the of who the monster eats in that story. Exactly. Like that was that was a good um, it's thing. It's really cool. 
Yeah. And I think it's interesting because, like, we as the reader know what this is, but Jan has no way of knowing what this is. We don't know if Grimmer knows what this is. is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, no one knows. It's terrifying for them. And for us, it's like, oh, it's a piece of this puzzle falling into place. Yeah. And it's cool, you know, because normally you you're following along with what the characters are doing with what the characters know. But this is mm-hmm. one of those one of those moments where we, the audience, get to get to know something and put a puzzle piece together before the characters do. Um, there haven't been too many of those before this reading. I, I don't think. think so. No, like normally, normally we find something, and even if the characters don't know, like where to put it, like maybe we know where to put it, but. It hasn't happened on on this scale because like Grimmer and Jan don't know who the fuck Johan is. Mm-hmm. You know they've never heard of this story. They don't have. They have no point of connection to this at all, um, except Kinderheim five one one. And so uh, they get very little out of it, uh, and we get quite a lot out of it. Yeah, uh, it's it's very cool. It's a cool it's a cool vibe. It's good. Um, I made a note as they leave that Grimmer asks Jan for his cell phone number, which I think is is interesting um that we've gone from the beginning of the story was uh lunga with his his uh ibm big <laughs> pc with yeah. the with the floppy disks that he's imprinting his memories onto and now we've got yansuk has a cell phone because uh, yeah. it's it's extremely the late 90s at this point yeah uh yeah it's probably what 95 96 at this point. yeah i think so um matt matt exists matt's real matt's I, yeah real i've been born at this point now. in monster um, yeah, uh, it is funny when Grimmer is like going home and then he's like, Suk's an idiot. I better go. I better go catch up with him. It, it yeah. takes him two minutes to realize that he's made a mistake here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I don't know how much else I've got either. Um, yeah, the only the only stuff that I have left is like the shaking onomatopoeia comes back when Jan mm-hmm. is terrified. Uh, and I, I think that's a good one. I, I like that motif a lot. Um, and then I have that as, as Grimmer passes, uh, Nina slash Johan on the stairs, uh, Johan is eyes, eyes closed and smiling, um, which I don't, I don't know if that's, if there's anything to talk about there, but I think that's usually the way Johan is after he kills people. It is also interesting the, the, the stark fear that, that Grimmer feels. Uh, seeing seeing Johanna. Oh no! Don't do that. <laughs> Not that one. We can just say Johan slash Nina. <laughs> but yeah, and then uh, as always, you know, whenever there's a shot with dead people in it, Urasawa delivers. You know, that guy is so dead. Bangers. Yeah. You know, like like the way that he's slumped against the corner, like against the filing cabinet, kind of kind of propped up off the ground. Awful. It's awful to look at. I love it. And and then Yawn. Just in total shock. Ooh, Shoulder shrugged. It's a great like, oh last man, page. It's, it's a great last page. I really like it. But yeah, I think I don't. I don't think there's a lot else to a lot else to do here. Uh, unless you want to talk about uh, talk a bit more about what Johan says on the tape, but he doesn't really say that much. I mean, I, I think we went know. over it all, right? Was he was he gives the story, he they ask him questions about his mother, he doesn't really know. Um, how about this? How about this? Uh the guy the interviewer asks Johan, "Have you ever killed anyone?" Which is a funky question to ask a a 6-year-old, as I think he was at the time, maybe even younger. And he says, "Many people died. It was as if Anna and I were the only ones in the whole world." 
um, which I think we've heard before. Um, yes, that was the phrase that he said to uh, Shewald during the fire. Like when he got very close to him, that's when that one came up. I lived in a fairy tale village. Many people died. It was as if. Mm-hmm. And we can also understand this phrase as being the verbal equivalent to that arc image of the two of them walking through the the wasteland, mm-hmm. right? Like, like though, like that. This phrase and that image are the same thing. Um, so it's just another point of repetition of that. Oh well, the the last thing I would say is it, they ask a couple times: Is there anything you're afraid of? What's your greatest fear? Um, and he says, the monster inside of me is getting bigger and bigger, chomp, chomp, munch, munch, gobble, gobble, gulp. Um, and that's where they stop. But the, the greatest fear that is like, that seems to be the important question. Yes. What is Johan's greatest fear? Yes. All right. Chapter 90. Chapter 90, point of contact. Um, okay. Tenma is digging through the archives of a small German newspaper because he doesn't speak Czech, looking for details on Johan's origin. The lead reporter stops in to chat with Tenma, telling him about the ongoing scandal with the Czech secret police and Detective Sook. Tenma is struck by the similarities to his own backstory and realizes that Johan must be involved. The reporter tells him that Sook is on the run, but authorities are confident they'll catch him at either the bar or the hospital where his mother is staying. Tenma visits the hospital and talks with Sook's mom, an older woman with a failing memory. She inadvertently tells uh, Tenma Sook's hiding spot, an abandoned house that he used to play detective in when he was a boy. As Tenma leaves, she begins reciting the Nameless Monster story and puts on Johan's interview tape to listen to. In the abandoned house, Sook freaks out about his current situation and Grimmer does his best to calm him down, saying that at least Sook has a witness and everything will be okay. He just needs to trust himself. Placated, Sook paces the room, recounting how he used to play detective here. Suddenly, he's shot, and Grimmer realizes that they're surrounded. Yeah. This one's good. Yeah, things pick up a bit here. Yeah. Um, Tenma's back. We have, uh, we have people we don't recognize, and then Tenma's here. I, I, I will say, these newspaper guys, uh, the one who talks to Tenma, very, very Maurer-coded. We love yeah. that Tenma is just able to make friends with newspaper guys. Yeah, these, these uh, kind of podgy newspaper guys. Although this guy is maybe more of a more of a professional than Maurer was. The thing that he says is so funny. He's like, foreign correspondents for a minor German newspaper got no business just sitting around. Like, <laughs> yep. if anyone has business just sitting around, it's you, my dude. The foreign <laughs> correspondents for the minor newspaper. It's fun. There's um, there's a good line in this conversation. You know, Tenma's like, uh, Tenma's pretending to be a journalist himself. Um, I'm doing a story on the abductions and incarcerations they perpetrated during the Cold War years, and the journalist tells him, you're playing with fire, you know that? I risked my life to do that story. And I really like how Urasawa did his, did his face in that, in that panel. You can, you can tell that he really did risk his life to do that story. Uh, and I think that's, that's just a cool thing to remind you, like, you know, at the time, and, and even now, pursuing the wrong thing, people will try to kill you for it. And it's, it's, I just think that's a, that's cool to be reminded of. It's good. Then Tenma reads about, you know, reads about what's going on with Suk and his face darkens, like the bags under his eyes, like get so much stronger and you can just, you can hear the Vietnam flashbacks uh, as he, as he reads Suk's story as, as his own. Yeah. 
Well, I didn't realize it right away the first time I read it, and I made note. And then the second time I read it, they explicitly call it out a little bit later, and I, I guess I just missed that. But it was, I was like, wow, he is literally doing the exact same thing. It's yeah, Johan you know, is doing the same play. Young professional who is very talented. Doing, he does the right thing, right? Like even though it's like it puts his career in danger, and then everyone who would oppose him doing the right thing is mysteriously murdered by poison candy, like. I'm honestly a little frustrated with myself that I did not catch it right away. I mean, like, we caught the poison candy, right? But, like, even more of the similarities that we didn't catch them right away. Like, oh, and here's another one, right? Tenma showed up drunk at Johan's room that one night and was just, like, telling stuff to Johan. Jansuk is doing the same thing. He goes and gets drunk every night and tells Johan about how, you know, his career is in the pits now because of this. That is, it is interesting. Ah, uh, Johan. Uh, Johan. <laughs> there's also something. There's also something interesting here about how how German right wingers and the former Czech secret police lost their power when the wall came down, and then they became a crime syndicate. Right. So here we're seeing more about that flashpoint of about how the world is bef- is different after after the Berlin Wall comes down, um, and and after East and West. You know what what is that great darkness, um. Uh, but it's interesting that this is saying that German right-wingers lost some of their power when the wall came down. Um, I'm not sure if that means German right-wingers on the east or west side of the wall. Um, we also I read it as just specifically in like Prague and Czechoslovakia, in Prague. or in yeah, the Czech yeah. Republic. I think it was Czechoslovakia at the time. It Maybe. was, I, yeah, yeah, and then it yeah, splits in again. In the 80s, it splits, what, late 80s. Um, it was just interesting to me to... Um, for for the manga to mention another point of process, another mm. piece of evidence for us uh, when we're when we're looking at the east and west dynamics and what that darkness could be, um, so it, it's interesting that they lost their institutional power and then tried to gain power in other ways, uh, and that might be something thematically important. I don't know. Um, East and West seems to, despite the Cold War coming up a bit stronger, East and West seems to have taken a bit of a backseat. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes, but I just wanted to, I just wanted to note that. Um, Matt, you got anything? Yeah, I, I had two notes about the hospital sequence. First, that nurse should not just be telling people where a high profile killer's mom is. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, oops. <laughs> and she asks Tenma, are you a cop? And he says no. And then she tells him, like, you're not going to get what you're looking for. Um, and I, that's in reference to, you know, her memory is failing. Um, but I, I made note of that. I was like, oops, you should not have done that. Uh, and then the next thing I have is this is the first time that we've seen Dr. Tenma in a long time. Like, he's doing his incredible bedside manner with patients thing here. Yeah. Like, talking with uh, Jan Suk's mom. Uh, and like he looks he, almost he, happy for the he first does. time. In he smiles. He volumes. looks happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's that's it for me for my notes on on this chapter. I really think it's sweet. She tells him. She tells him where where Suk is. Right, that old abandoned house on Bruno Street. Um, because that's where uh Suk used to play as a kid, and so Tenma, you know, like uh, Jan's mom thinks Tenma is Jan, and so Tenma asks her, "You knew?" And she says, "Yes, I knew." And I just, oh, it's so sweet. Oh, Moms really know. And then, and then she starts listening to the tape. And at first, it kind of freaks you out. And then you realize, oh, Jan gave her the tape. Yeah. 
it's almost kind of funny, right? Where it's like he left the tape with his mom, of course. Yeah. 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 Because it is, it is that exact sequence, right? Where it could play as just like something that's creepy and tropey, right? Like an old person who is maybe has a little bit of dementia saying something yeah. spooky. But it's like, no, this is like his plan. This was... Yeah. Honestly, a pretty good plan, Jan. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, solid. Uh, and then we, we jump to Grimmer and Jan in the abandoned house. And the thing that really gets me about this sequence is, again... Uh, is Jan's breakdown. You know, is Jan going, holy fuck, my life is over. What did I, what did I fucking do to deserve this? Yeah. It's interesting how much more he panics than Tenma. Like, Tenma freaked out, but he didn't panic to the same degree. Tenma was uh, a little bit more, well, here's what I gotta do. Well, I will say for Tenma, those people weren't murdered directly in front of him. He showed up after they were already dead. There is that. Is, is the only difference here. But yeah, no, no, no. You're right. Their reactions are very different. I like Grimmer's pep talk. I do too. Yeah, he like he grabs him and I think he says, you, you got to pull yourself together. Yeah. Um, you have to trust yourself. In the end, that's all you've got. Um, which is a, it's a great, it's a great panel. I also like, I, I didn't make a note of this, but flipping to that panel, I saw it that... Jan is having his panic attack, panic attack while Grimmer is pulling out another one of his picnic lunches in this abandoned building. It's yeah, good. More sandwiches. I really love it when Jan uh, plays detective at the desk. Mm-hmm. It's so cute. In the name of justice. And then he gets shot like a bitch. Yeah, he gets... he. <laughs> spoilers for the next chapters. He gets shot a lot. <laughs> oh, man. Does he ever. Does he ever. Okay, I think that's everything for yeah. chapter 90. Like, it's it's like we said kind of at the top. Like, there are some individual chapters here that do not have a whole awful lot to discuss. But, you know, if you're reading, you'll know that doesn't make them worse chapters. It These are these are good. These are fun reads. Uh, chapter 91, Blind Spot. This one is killer. Jan is shot. Grimmer borrows his gun. They are surrounded by, the, I guess, the ex-secret police that became, uh, they became a, a crime syndicate. And as Grimmer tries to fend off uh, people from the hallway, people from outside keep shooting Jan through the window. They just, they just keep doing it. Um, and it's um. As, do you know that? Yeah. Do you know that Turkish movie where the guy gets shot a bunch of times and he starts screaming anew every time he gets shot? No. I will I'll I'll send you the link to it, but okay. that's how I like to imagine this scene. <laughs> um and uh as as the uh mercs as the what's a good what's a good noun here? Fuckers. As the fuckers uh <laughs> kind of I was gonna close say in, goons. Go- oh perfect, there we go. As the goons as the goons close in, uh we, we hear them speaking Czech through the walls, um, and there's all of these sounds. There's the creaking of, uh, basically, there's a whole bunch of sounds. Grimmer's in a tight corner, um, and we see him freak the fuck out, and then we cut to Tenma and a sniper from across the way, and he asks the sniper, what's going on? Sniper says, we killed him. Tenma pistol whips him. Hell yeah. Says he's too late. Tenma goes to the room where Grimmer and Jan are 
Grimmer has beat these goons all three-quarters of the way to death. The magnificent Steiner has done it again. And the chapter ends with Grimmer telling us, You see, I'm also a product of 511 Kinderheim. Incredible reveal. I called it wrong last time where I said it was probably his son that was there. And this is where I said the fact that the Cold War was a lot longer than, you know, Mm -hmm. I immediately think of it as it comes into play. Uh, Was not expecting that at all. But then as soon as it happens, it's like it makes so much sense. It's really cool. It is really cool. Um, And this chapter has this chapter is great. What a thrilling read. Like this is what this is what like gunfights are all about. This might Mm -hmm. be one of my favorite gunfights I've read, period. I've got to say. Yeah, they get owned, like Grimmer and Sue. I mean, Sue gets shot. My note is, it's kind of funny that he's gotten shot twice, and then the next line is, three times, and then I think the next one is, and again. <laughs> he has been shot so many times. Happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but what really gets me about this chapter is the pacing mm-hmm. of it. It is this gorgeous Grimmer, something else. Grimmer shoots, something else happens. You know, like, it's... Irosawa does this wonderful thing of doing close-up shots and faraway shots and then close-up, like the 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 constant in and out, forward and back pacing of this sequence. You know, if you read it almost all the time, it alternates between having Grimmer and panels. Um, there are times when we see him in two panels in a row, but those are usually uh, he's usually in pretty different poses, or we see him at very different camera angles, right? So it's this constant sense of motion and change and danger. My God, everything, everything brings a sense of danger. This is such a densely packed sequence and it's super, super duper cool to read. Yeah, the the start of the fight where basically the door kicks open and you don't even see the person, you just see the hand and they say the tape. And yeah. Grimmer like pops off five or six shots, runs forward, slams the door shut and then pushes the, the desk in front of it. Like, I love that those two pages and it's like you said it's there's lots of action lots of movement despite this is a gunfight where pretty much they're just pinned down waiting to be killed it manages to just like be moving 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 um yeah it's also you know really cool like how um jan is just lying there and he keeps getting shot and like grimmer like Grimmer wants to go and get him, but if he does that, he's going to get shot. And so you feel this helplessness, this like, oh my god, he's just there. They're just shooting him. They're not even trying to kill him. They're just torturing him, you know. Um, and and you really feel that that helplessness as he keeps getting shot and screaming in pain. It's terrible. And it works so well. There are so many text balloons. Like they just, they're multiplying, right? Like you said, yes. from the sound, from the conversations. And it is just like, it becomes claustrophobic. And then it explodes into that panel where it's just completely black, except for, you know, Grimmer kind of curled up in the fetal position and all of the text bubbles surrounding him before he starts screaming and goes Steiner mode. Yes. <laughs> Sicko mode, step aside. It's Steiner um, mode. It's, it's so time. good. Yeah, I also, I goddamn love the conversation that the that the goons are having because they're just out there as they're trying to kill these guys, talking about what they want to have for lunch. 
Yeah, it's it goes back to it was the it was the thing you said last chapter, right? Where was those guys were talking in Czech and Grimmer can't understand them, and they were just talking about the football game. Here it is again, except this time it's been translated for us, so we can hear. No, I don't want Chinese food again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that place ain't Chinese; it's Vietnamese. Um, it's so no, good. It's really, it's really really funny, but it's also like the context. You know, the fact that these people are just casually discussing their what they're gonna have for lunch after this as they are trying to like drill their way into this room to kill these people there is also terror in that and the you know it's it's like this is every day like this is every day for these guys this is a tuesday what are this we gonna is have what roberto was talking about right when it's like mm. you're a doctor this is not your job this is my job i will totally. show you how to shoot a gun okay. and kill someone um, and we we get it a little bit on the next page too, right? Like the sniper's whistling when Tedmus yes, sneaks I up to him. I think he's humming. Yeah, he's um, probably humming because his, his lips are closed. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's just funny, you know. There's this there's this guy and he's there just ready to kill somebody. <laughs> Sniping's a good job, I guess. Yeah. Um, Pays the bills. <laughs> you get to eat out, I guess. Put it on the company yeah. card. <laughs> we have to wonder if his parents like it. Um, <laughs> And uh, and Tannis here, you know. Oh, um. Also, importantly, the and on those last on that spread, you know, where where the sound where the sound bubbles multiply in Grimmer goes Steiner mode, slanted panels, mm. diagonal panels. There they are. Things are going wonky. Things are slipping into dream time. Everything's going off. Diagonal panels. It's so like it's really. It's really fun to see such a clear piece of language exist in this manga, and I'm really interested to see if this is something that Urasawa continues in his other oh, series. Oh, good call, yeah. You know, like, is this, like, does he use uh, diagonal panels more freely in other series? Like, is this a language that he has chosen for Monster, or is this how he prefers to communicate things? Something for us to keep in mind as we read other series. Yeah. One of the things that I think is really interesting is like every time you call this out, it's not something that I immediately make note of uh, right away, but it's one of those kind of like background things that contributes to the effect that, it, you know, it's, it's so, it's one of those things where it's like, you're making it look so easy. <laughs> it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's a, it's a good method that it's so subtle that I, I miss it every time it happens. But yeah, I know. I get the effect, but I'm not necessarily noticing the mechanics. Yeah, it's like it's like good editing in a movie. Good editing mm -hmm. means you don't notice the editing. You're just seamlessly in it. Uh and and the diagonal panels, you know, unless you're really looking for it like I am, you probably won't notice, but things will feel different. That page will have an in, a different impact on you, and that's just the coolest shit. Uh, I mean, that's that's what we read it for. Um, as Tenma enters the room and sees Yon, one of the beat up dudes says, monster. And that dude is beaten. His eyes Man. swollen shut. He is yeah. destroyed. Yeah. What do you what? How do you how do you feel about this? Oh, I like this a lot. You like this? The, yeah, I do. Uh, actually, I was going to say this whole reveal has maybe turned me around on the Johan split personality thing a little bit. Hmm. Um, and I think here's why. I think when that first was introduced, it was at the end of the it was at the end of the Turkish quarter section. Um yes. and at that point the comic was still pretty grounded, right? Like there wasn't a whole lot. It was still very simple. We we hadn't expanded out a ton yet. We didn't have any of the backstory. It was just kind of there is this serial killer kid doing stuff. 
So the split personality yeah. felt goofy. At this point, we have the Magnificent Steiner, who is a dude who turns into the Hulk when he's in danger. Yeah. <laughs> um, and learning, oh, he also came from there, right? He also has a split personality, right? I think I am much more willing, because of how now that, that I could... The, what can exist in the world has expanded to a point where that does not feel as goofy to me. Um, that Johan has a split personality. Uh, and I'll get into it a little bit after we talk about next chapter and the chapter afterwards, but like it raises some interesting questions about the mechanics of, of I've said mechanics so many times this episode, <laughs> like five or six. And I don't say it that often. And every time I say it now, I can feel the counter taking up in my head, but, um, <laughs> But the way that all of this works, I think it's there's a lot of interesting stuff to think about, right? And, like, my guess is that the manga isn't really going to be concerned about how all of this stuff works. Like, it doesn't... This is a thing where it's like, when, this would be a conversation that if I saw it on Reddit, it would make me frustrated. But I also think it's, like, kind of a fun conversation to have a little bit. So I'll, I, when we get to next chapter, I will talk a little bit more about it. But I liked this reveal a lot. I liked them calling totally. him a monster, right? In bringing it, reminding us that Kinderheim 511 was a place designed to create monsters. I think, mm -mm. here's my thing. On the one hand, yes. On the other hand, it's been explained to us many times. Johan is not a monster because of Kinderheim 511. Right. He was a monster when he got there. You know, so I don't know if I really like taking this titular quality um, that has so far only been applied to one person and applying it to Grimmer. I just don't know, I don't know how much that holds water to me. It, it'll depend if we see, like, further evidence and stuff later, but it raises, you know, if more than one person is a monster, because before the, the criteria for being a monster was to be Johan, you could say, mm -hmm. um, and now two people are, are textually monsters, and so now the question is, okay, monster is now a category, what, what is the criteria? What do Johan and Grimmer share? Would this person also call Roberto a monster? Does Kinderheim 511 define a monster? It's taken a term that was, that was um, restricted and has opened it up in a way that I think makes it weaker to interpret. But that's probably getting too in the weeds. Yeah, I would say it makes it messier. To me, I, I, I don't know if it makes it weaker, but um, it does, like you said, it makes me start thinking about, like, what are the criteria, stuff like that. Um, the other thing that it opens up from the other direction is, like, Grimmer is a person that we think Grimmer is a good person, right? right? And if, like, he can become monstrous, does that mean that the monster that we know, that we have been hunting, is there a good person inside of him, right? Like... Uh, so I, I, I think I would agree. It does make it messier, but I, I am on the side of this one. I like this thumbs up from Matt on, on, uh, the, the dude calling, uh, Grimmer a monster. So thumbs, thumbs medium. Okay. Women, I would say I'm, I'm willing to be convinced, uh, for sure. I think, I think that's what I've got. Yeah. One of my favorite reveals just in fiction is uh, there's more. Like uh, whenever, whenever there's a program and someone has a number or something like that and it's not one. Like in like Stranger Things did this, right? Where it's like she's 11. Where it's like, well, what about 1 through 10? Were there more? I love it when there's sinister programs that have produced. You know, X-Men uh, <laughs> does the same thing with Wolverine. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I love it when there, <laughs> when there are dozens 
and we get to see them and how are they different and stuff like that. So I'm a fan of this trope. Uh, but that's it for me for, for 91. And I think for you as well. For me as well. Okay, so now we're on to 92, which is Memories of the Magnificent Steiner. Is it Memories or Memoirs? Uh, Memories. Memories. For some reason, I wrote Memoirs, um, which would... That's, that's an interesting one as well. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, memories of the Magnificent Steiner. We open with a flashback of Air Grimmer telling the story about the Magnificent Steiner again, this time to Tenma. He reveals that he doesn't know when the Magnificent Steiner started showing up for him, but he always does and defeats the bad guys. Grimmer then reveals that his memories of watching the Magnificent Steiner are his only childhood memories, as Kinderheim 511 took the rest of them. Tenma finishes applying first aid, and the two escape and watch the news from a hotel room. Grimmer tells Tenma some more of his backstory, memories of growing up in an artificial town with fake parents being trained to become a spy, with the hardest thing he had to learn being how to smile. They learn the hospital where everyone was taken, and Grimmer decides that they have to go so he can clear Sook's name. They find the hospital empty, and a nurse informs them that everyone was transferred out, and a man with gunshot wounds, Detective Sook, was never even at this hospital. Elsewhere, Nina walks down the street by Johan's apartment, and everyone recognizes and refers to her as Anna. She breaks into a panicked run and meets up with Dieter, confused by this turn of events. Good chapter. Very good. It's a very good chapter. Um, where shall we begin? Do you want it to... Okay, so maybe this is where I talk about the thing from last time. So, from our sample size of two, Detective or Air Grimmer and Johan... The thing that we know now about these Kinderheim 511 kids is that their superpowers or whatever are bonded to a work of fiction. For Steiner, for Grimmer, it's the Magnificent Steiner. For Johan, it's this monster story, right? And the nature of the story that they're bonded to determines their powers, right? Like he turns into the Hulk and the nameless monsters thing was he could just be other people, Right? Like, eat them, absorb their memories, stuff like that, and that's what Johan does? Like, what is going on here? And this is the only thing that they remember from their childhood for each of them? And we're, we're gonna get to it later, about how there is a mysterious person who wrote the monster story, right? Is this dude just writing cursed stories and, and then molding children around them is that like this is the most x-men thing that has happened in this oh, story yeah i have not i did not how did i not make that connection that's very interesting i love it um it's so goofy it is <laughs> i don't even man that's so goofy that i'm almost reluctant to read it that way but it's hard to ignore yeah, I mean, maybe we never see any more people from Kinderheim 511, but it is very easy for me to imagine that, you know, if this was a story that instead of being monster, if this was like something that took place in a run of Batman, we would have 15 more people who all have their story, right? And the, like that is what determines that villain's power totally. and stuff like that. Yeah. It is a Western comics ass thing to do. Well, I think it's it's also it could also be a shonen like a. You're right. You're right. You're right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Tournament arc shonen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Exactly. Exactly. Very tournament arc. Um, but it's uh, extremely Naruto. I think from my non from no knowledge of Naruto (laughs) that I have. mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Jeez. 
That's we'll have to see if that has any mileage to it. I don't know, but from from the goofy side, I like it. But then from the other thing that I like about it is they have this singular memory that grounds them and is like their mission and their defining identity, right? Like even if it's not mm. in that goofy kind of comicsy way, I think that it's like these works of fiction are the foundation of their like function as a spy yeah. or an elite or whatever. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. is is cool. Totally, I love the opening couple pages of this. I love it when Urasawa, like, tries to draw in a, in a Western way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very fun. You'll see it. Uh, you'll see it to incredible effect in Billy Bat. Um, love it in Billy Bat. I'm very excited for when we read Billy Bat four years from now or <laughs> whenever yeah, we me get too. to it. Woo! You've talked about it a lot, and it sounds like something I will enjoy. It's so cool. Yeah, but it's fun. There's also, uh, it's just a quick note, there the sound effects here are in English, or at least are in Western Western script uh, for the Magnificent Steiner Show. So there's something cool. Uh, and also, uh, one of the people that Magnificent Steiner beats up is a racist caricature of an Asian man. Um, <laughs> which uh, which I, I think is, is fun. Urasawa just, he loves drawing <laughs> these, these racist... It's a little concerning, <laughs> to he be perfectly to honest. It. And then the title page is just gorgeous. Like the title drop of of young Grimmer in front of the TV in shadow. It's very Poltergeist. I think it's that frame from yeah, Poltergeist. Yeah. Oh, good pull. Good pull. You're totally right. Um, um, it's good. It's awesome. I like that he is smiling through all of this. There's a moment where Grimmer's smile very subtly changes to a frown. Uh, when he says, when he's asking Tenma mm-hmm. to not let Sook die. Um, I also like that all of this is happening while Tenma's doing doctor stuff again. Yes. And it's not really remarked upon, right? It was like, mm-hmm. their last encounter was him just having a crisis about him, you know, I'm not a doctor anymore. But I mean, but of course he, he is, still is. Yeah, patching all these folks up. Yeah. And we get the obligatory when everyone picks them up. Someone applied first aid expertly. These people are lucky that he showed up, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yep, yep, they're lucky. They're lucky Tenma's here. Uh, there is a news guy talking in Czech. He's just saying everyone was badly wounded. We took him to the hospital. The really the really important thing about this chapter is what Grimmer's saying about, you know, what Grimmer's saying about himself and about his time at Kinderheim. And he's, you know, telling us he can barely remember much, um, but he, you know, he was learning to be a spy, and the hardest part was learning how to smile. And he gives you a he gives you a big smile when he says that. Um, and so, like last time when we met Grimmer, I talked about how seeing when he smiles and when he doesn't is important to understanding the character, and that's what this is a reference to. Mm. You know? Yeah, it completely reframes. I mean, because yeah, I would say that his defining characteristic is how often he's he's smiling. So it's like, oh man, poor dude. It just makes it something that's like almost tragic. Yeah. And it makes him a little a little more unknowable, you know, to the mm. reader. Like we don't really know when when his smiles are real and when they're not. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm trying to see if I have any other important notes here. Um oh, I mean the you know, he talks about having fake parents living in a fake town. And the question that that immediately brings up for me is like, did this same thing happen with Johan and Nina? Right, like fairy tale village, perhaps. Oh yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Interesting. Is this woman who we're chasing after even his mother? I don't know. Interesting. 
Oh man, yeah. Um, hmm. Well, I think I think at this point we're pretty sure that she's I think their it mother. Is. Yeah, uh, most likely. Oh man, and then yeah, Nina's walking through. Everybody's saying hi. Everybody's saying hi, and and then when she doesn't say hi back, they're like, "What? Why isn't Anna saying hi to us?" But of course, it isn't. It isn't Anna. It's Nina. And just imagine how scary that would be if you walked through some place you'd never been, and everyone was like, everyone knew your name, and they were like, "Hi, how are you today?" You know. Yeah. It's a good reveal. I mean, and this was, I think, the thing that we talked about last time, right? Where it's like, well, if this was Nina, Dieter would probably be here. And this, of course, this is the this is the signal that's used to the reader to say, this is Nina. It's Dieter is here as well. Um, it's a, it's it's a, I like that reveal at the end of the chapter. Big fan. Yeah. Oh, minor minor fun uh, check thing. Uh, when they talk to the receptionist, um, she. Says Christina Terozmi Jano, which which is uh, Christina, uh, you speak you speak German, right? Um, and the word for German there is Niemetsky, which is <laughs> I looked it up because um, I was just like, okay, so it's not Deutsch. Like, what's the what's the root of this word for German? Uh, <laughs> it comes from it's basically like the word barbarian, you know, which which ultimately <laughs> comes from the Roman saying barbar which was them making fun of how people that didn't speak Latin spoke. So Niemetsky is, is kind of like dumb speak, you could say. Um, it, it comes from a word that they used uh, for people that couldn't speak Czech. Um, cool. And then that turns into the word for the country and the language, which I think is is just an amusing thing to have codified uh, into your language. It's just like, it's, you know, dumb country. Uh, dumb, dumb language. I like I that. Yeah. Uh, one other note that I had that I forgot was uh, when uh, after Grimmer has finished giving his his backstory, he says like, "I don't know why I'm telling you all this. Like, Kinderheim five one one does not concern you." And Tenma like turns and looks at the camera and says, "Everything about Kinderheim five one one concerns me." And it's hard as hell. It's it's a yeah. good line. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. That's so I, I made note of that. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Ooh, I just realized chapter 93, Memories of Hot Cocoa. We've mm-hmm. got ourselves another little two-parter here. Um, I wonder if they... Because sometimes you get... No, you don't really get two chapters published at once. That would be interesting if they were published at the same time, though, if they were... But but either way, it's clearly a, a one-part and a two-part, right? Whenever you have this connection between the titles. Grimmer and Tenma are picked up by a guy from the Czech secret police. And he takes them to the Bernard pub in Prague, wherein they speak to uh, in a, a previous big shot of the secret police called Colonel Karl Lanke. And he basically says, we are not the ones killing people. We have nothing to do with Johan. We just have a German friend who wants the tape and the report. We were the ones protecting and paying Petrov. Uh, We have Suki's coming to no harm, but we do want the tape and the report to get, if we're going to give you Suki back. Upon learning that Grimmer was at 511 Kinderheim, Colonel Lanka uh, unfolds a picture and says that it is of his nephew, who went to 501 Kinderheim and 
who he actually signed the papers to to send his nephew there, um, thinking, uh, having been told that it was a, a wonderful facility. Grimmer remembers the nephew after a little while and and uh, basically, in a way, performs a eulogy, just remembers uh, this boy, which is is how they is is kind of a cultural thing that that was done amongst the kids at 511 Kinderheim uh to to keep them alive in a way and that is the chapter yeah this is a good one um you know it's it's one of those endings that i think could be kind of cheesy right i mean it's like it's definitely he, cheesy but man what a tearjerker though wow man it works you know all of these, all of these things that Grimmer, you know, because we just we've been told several times now that Grimmer doesn't remember shit, and he he finally remembers, and it is, you know, it's all of these like details that that humanize this kid, and it's you know he wanted to be an entomologist, he liked hot cocoa, you know, he remembers his name, which is a really big deal, uh, mm-hmm. and it's so the importance of memory in monster. I made a note of this that it yeah. seems like this is going to be the cornerstone of the back half of this story yes. is memory um, because we have Jan's mother is losing her memory in the same mm. section how did I miss that oh, yeah, dude. oh my it's, god it's right there um, but it's it's easy to miss as well but yeah I think it's we've you, this is a new theme that has been introduced because I don't really think this was here before yeah like we kind of had like stuff about the past and it's mm-hmm. it's like that theme has been refined now yes. into the theme of memory and now memory has also been attached to the theme of connections which was something that we called out from the first half right where it's like mm-hmm. johan was isolating people destroying their connections no one was there to remember them anymore and so then they cease to exist right yeah. and now it's like that is directly being attached to what was important to them at kinderheim 511 was remembering each other um so it's, I think, yeah, good to, good to plant the flag early on and be like, hey, we should be, anytime memory comes up from here to the end of the story, we should be thinking about it and think about what that means, what it's, yeah. what it's saying. I do think that, like, like you said, memory is being now associated with connections. And I think we can also say perhaps with something uh, as strong as family. Mm. Um, I, I think memory and, and family, like family and connections in general are, are being conflated here, I would say. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and remembering people is very 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 important. Uh, the pub they go to is real. I when that you called it out by I name, I out. thought, yeah. Have you been there? I have not. Um, although I could have. Uh, but I I saw the thing. Uh, I saw it in the in the book, and I was like, this looks like a location scout drawing to me. I'm like. I think this is a real place. So I looked it up, and actually, it is a local chain uh, in Czechia. Uh, it is a chain of pubs that are specifically, like, they serve beer from the Bernard Brewery, which is in something like Humpelek, I, I think is is what the town is called. Uh, and it was revitalized in the early 90s, so I expect that they had opened at least one Prague location by, by the time that... Uh, he, Urasawa did his location scouting, but it's ju- it was just really funny to to Google it and have it come up. And you can actually, if you if you Google Bernard Pub, uh, you can see that they have not changed the font. Um, oh, I love that. You know, it it's very clearly 
Unfortunately, I couldn't find any pictures of the interior from the time from the time frame, so I don't know if this is an active if this is an accurate drawing of the interior because it's obviously not accurate to how it is today. But uh, it was it really tickled me to look it up and find out that it was real. Yeah, uh, is I can't believe that we have another fucking faction, right? Because I yeah. don't think this is the faction that was torturing Grimmer. I'm pretty sure this is a different one. You think it like, is? This isn't the I, Czech secret police guy? I mean, because this is the guy who was the head of the former Czech secret police. Just, I, I guess so. I guess so. It's just... That- I mean, and, and we learned earlier, you called it out, right, that, like, they became a crime syndicate. So it's like, they probably have a couple different tendrils doing, doing different things. I guess it is. You would just think that Grimmer would mention something about being tortured. Yeah, you're right. Or, I, or he would be like, sorry for torturing you. You know, yeah. it... <laughs> <laughs> um, I could be wrong. Like I like thinking about it, I probably am wrong. It probably is the same group. Well, I think this lines up because what was it? Wasn't the last guy the one who? Because we Lanka here goes on a long thing about you know this is just business. I love money. Uh, it's, which was what the what, what detectives oh, am in, right? I'm yeah, a capitalist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that's true. Okay, that that is true. That is true. So I think I think these are the same guys. Um, I do think it's interesting that they immediately are like. We've been horribly misunderstood by you wait, wait, and wait, by wait, the wait, general wait, wait, public. Wait, wait. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, so if that's who these guys are, who the fuck? Who were the goons? Who were the goons trying to kill Grimmer and Grimmer? Well, they and weren't Jan? trying to kill. They weren't trying to kill Jan. Oh, because remember, Grimmer right, says they were, they're not they trying to kill trying him. Trying to kill him. Yeah. Okay. 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 All right. Then yeah, it is all the same group. Grimmer's just a professional, is all. Yeah. <laughs> Very calm, very calm in the face of a guy who who tortured him and his friend. Shot his buddy three or four times. Um, I ha- I have a note that there's a series of panels. It's right after right after Grimmer says that he came from Kinderheim five one one. There's three panels of Tenma, looking from Grimmer to uh, Lanka. Hang on, yeah. it's on page one forty six in yeah. the reading. And it's it's very quickly uh, Tenma noticing like the momentary look of shock on this dude's face and and realizing the connection. And yeah, it's cool. I, I liked it. Yeah, it's a very small moment, and there's not really a reason for me to call it out, but I I it stood out to me. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like you're kind of hanging out with Tenma in that in that silence, and you're like, boop boop boop, wonder what's going on. Oh, what, mm-hmm. what what's that guy? What's that? What's wrong with that guy? I don't know. Um, yeah, you can you can just see him thinking you can see him being in a in a particular space it's cool and then carl you know saying i signed the papers to put my nephew in 511 kinderheim and Oof. yeah you know he's in shade and you can tell that he does not feel super great about it when he has the picture with him i think is the other thing yeah he right? has a picture you know it's and it's super wrinkled right he it's been folded and unfolded so many times he has shown this to so many people so it's mm. like I don't yeah. I yeah it's it's good. I I am a fan. Oh, this is actually interesting looking at this. My younger sister married a German, but she and her husband were shot trying to cross the wall to defect to the west, leaving their son an orphan. Uh so there is another point to call out which is here's part of the dynamic of east and west, right? Here we're definitely seeing a lot more here that that the Soviet the Soviet regime um not pleasant. Not pleasant for anybody, mm-hmm. uh, it seems like. Okay, yeah. Do you have anything else for 93? I do not, so I'm, I'm ready to go on to 94. 
Let's do it. 94. Okay. Door to a Nightmare. Oh, yeah. Uh, this one opens in color. And uh, it's Nina so, has a it's flashback. It's cool color. It's cool color. Nina has a flashback comprised of a bunch of different images. A young girl holding the nameless monster book. A wine glass shattering. A man telling someone not to hide things from someone else. A red door. Roses. Blood. A man reaching towards her, saying human beings can become anything. A man raising his glass in a toast. A woman. The monster. The sign of the three frogs. This is where they are now. Terrified, Nina and Dieter enter the building. Lanka shows up at Tenma in Grimmer's hotel and asks the two of them for the tape and the data again. Grimmer says he won't hand it over and he'll destroy it all if Suk is killed. But he'll let Lanka listen to the tape. He thinks he should listen to the tape to understand what happened to his nephew. The two argue, and Tenma gets frustrated and reveals his theory that Johan is the one doing the killings so he can erase his past. He fills them in on the whole story, and then asks Lanka if he knew about Johan being taken from his family by the secret police, about 15 years earlier. Lanka admits that he doesn't, but he did know of a mysterious man who ran secret projects arresting anyone with no oversight. He lived in a mansion called the Red Rose and had a name probably fake, Franz Bonaparte. He wrote strange and terrifying children's books, including The Nameless Monster. Back at the Three Frogs, Nina and Dieter returned to the door from her memory, where she read a book, opened the door, and welcomed herself home. Such a good, good stuff. I have, I have the most notes for this one. Okay, then get started, because uh, I only have lot. four. And, uh, you know, because it's like, this one raises a lot of questions that I have. But mm. it's not like, I don't know if I have, I don't know if I'm ready to talk about any of those questions yeah. yet, I think is the thing. Well, we start out with color, and it's so cool. You got all this great blue and, and the pink and the light. It's just really, like, surreal in an awesome way. Um, and this is also kind of unusual because even for ten, nope, even for Urasawa's color pages, it is normally the line work that still has point of pride, but here color is washed over the lines, uh, and, and has much more to say and much more to do in your overall experience of the page than the line work does. Uh, so it's just a, a move that we don't see Urasawa use a lot and is therefore worth calling out the color theory on this page is very very cool and very smart also during this whole sequence at the beginning we have diagonal panels scramble Not only panels are they diagonal they are wiggly the panel borders are wiggly Ooh. so that's now um matt do you have anything to say about this sequence um, uh, I really like the sequence. It feels, and I, I had another sequence that I thought kind of felt a little bit lynchy and maybe lynchy is the wrong word. It's more, I don't think it's the okay. wrong word at all. Now that you bring it up. Yeah, there's, it will, it was in Grimmer's recollection of what he does remember, right? Like staircases, mm -hmm. ceilings, stuff like that. There's a lot of, there's a shot that's repeated in Twin Peaks a lot. That's like up a set of stairs towards Laura's room with the fan, you know, kind of running. Um, and it, it might just be in the first episode. I think it's through the first season. Occasionally it will just cut back to that shot. It's very scary. Um, and that's what like some of this made me think of. Uh, so I, I like, like you, I, I love the way this looks. Um, lots of stuff to dig into here. I want to know exactly yeah. what's going on in all of this. Yeah. I'm very, very excited to learn more about 
I mean, presumably this is the guy that um, that Lanka talks about who lived in the Red Rose and mm-hmm. wrote these children's books. Yeah. So. There's just something super cool about this because, like, when you when you read this, you're like, okay, here's all of the puzzle pieces, and now I just, you know, now I just have to sit back and relax, and and eventually Urasawa's going to show me where they go, mm-hmm. you know, and it's so exciting because each one of these puzzle pieces is really compelling, you know, you must never hide things from him. That's creepy. Mm-hmm. Who's this guy? This door. That's a creepy door. Rose, someone running and getting, you know... Caught by the roses, bleeding. Bleeding, you know, oh man, that's an image. What's that all about? And God, the piece de resistance, human beings can become anything. That's such a scary thing to say. Oh my gosh. (laughs) But this is also, I think even now, we can already begin with what we know to get an idea of where that thing stands thematically. Monster... A lot of what Monster is about is about children and about childhood and about growth. Human beings can become anything. Mm-hmm. Of course, that is what somebody affiliated with Kinderheim 511 would say. Right? You know, yeah. so uh, that's... We know that this theme, like, has a sucker punch, like, waiting. Um, and it's, you know, you just... It, you, this sequence makes you want to, you know, you're at the, you're at the fucking, like, orchestra show or whatever, and you sit in the splash zone. Yeah. The splash zone at the orchestra? At the, at the orca. Like the oh, the orca, orca show. show. Yeah, which, don't, don't cage orcas. It was just the first thing I could think of. No, I mean, that's but, a good, that's a good, yeah, that's right? a good pull. I, I don't know why I thought you said orchestra. I was like, what are they, emptying the their spit valves on orchestra. you? It's it's a new kind of orchestra. Uh the marvelous underwater orchestra. And the frogs say, Hello, welcome back. It's spooky cool. seeing those frogs talk a little bit. I don't like I don't like it. Yeah, it is. And it, I think it also hits harder in Japanese because of because of it's it's a terashai, isn't it? But they have a like like in Japan, like they have a specific word they say when you come home. They there's like an exchange. You're oh, like, okay. You're like Tadaima. Itadashai, um, I'm pretty sure it's a that I can't remember if that's like, see you later or welcome back. Uh, post in the comments if I'm an idiot. Um, but, you know, it's because it is such like a, it is the thing your family says when you come home. Oh, okay. That, you know, like seeing the frog say that, it's really hard. Good, good, good. So, yeah, pretty cool stuff. Um... And Nina's got brown hair. What's up with this? Nina's got brown hair. Johan's I, blonde. It was weird seeing Nina in color. I I made a note of this. I was like, oh, that's something about this is wrong. <laughs> 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 Has Nina maybe dyed her hair brown? Is that no, is that a possibility? Like, well, I mean, think about it though. Johan's hair has always been drawn without any internal screen tone, and yeah. Nina's hair always has been drawn with screen tone, so I guess she's been, she's been a, like, a, she's a like light... A, it's like a light brunette, yeah, it's like, like a, a dirty blonde. Brown, yeah, I guess it's been like that the whole time. But I guess he was wearing, well, I mean, they do refer to her as a beautiful blonde woman, as the, when whenever Johan has been doing yeah, the, the, the murders. So, so I guess we'll see what that the, Technically, what the, she's blonde. Yeah. I like all the, the shots of them traipsing through the mansion, looking scared. Once again, incredible fit from Nina. Right. Totally. Oh, real quick, real quick, real quick. Uh, they're also not in the mansion. They're in the apartment. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I shouldn't call it the mansion because now there is yeah. a mansion. Now there is a mansion. 
Uh, also, just for fun, if you go to uh, there, there is a sign. Um, so, so the so there's the title page, right? Capital ninety four, door to a nightmare, and then on the next page, you get a close up of the sign, right? And if you look closely at that close up of the sign, you will see that the U of Utsrijab has been pasted in somewhat inaccurately. I'll take your word for it. It's I can't. Close. I can't really tell, but you I mean, I know you said it changed. The, just, just above the U, is a little white line, and just to the right of the U is a little dark line. Uh huh. But that it's that's because it's it's not it's not aligned properly. Yeah. No, you added right. it after the fact. Anyway, I just that just that seems very labor intensive. I do not know why they decided to do this. <laughs> I mean, like, whenever, look, let me tell you what, listeners, when I, ha- when I make those title images, tell us what. it is yeah. usually very late at night when I am doing those. And the, mm-hmm. stuff that, the stuff that I am doing to finish them up is, like, I'm, I'm copying the panel a couple times. Sometimes I rotate it a little bit just so we fill up some of that dead space. It is, uh-huh. I cannot imagine being like, well, we've got to go through and make sure that I have changed every instance in this comic. <laughs> it does not yeah. sound fun to me. It must have been a lot of work. It's not something that happens unless it really has to happen. Yeah. So I'm honestly surprised that they did. I don't know why they felt it was important enough for that. Um, I'd love to know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. And then, yeah, so they explored the apartment, you know, and Anina says she's scared and she says she, she remembers it, you know, and so here we are, memory mm. uh, and memory... Memory of being afraid of your own memory, afraid of your own past, um, in just this really strong way. It's really like rediscovering something, being afraid of what you'll discover. Super, super interesting to me. Yeah. Um, the I have notes in their conversation. I think it's I like that. So Grimmer's main concern seems to be he is dedicated to making sure that this experiment can't be repeated. And he says yeah. it a couple times. And that was like his primary concern last time too, when he thought that uh, Petrov was doing it again. It was that, that was the thing that was most terrifying to him. So that that has been this guy's primary motivation the whole way through is, is good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, very, very consistent. I also think it's interesting that as Tenma, you know, uh, Tenma, you know, goes enough. There's no time for this, and and kind of he takes charge. Uh huh. I he like takes it. Takes charge, but I think it's interesting because he doesn't make eye contact. He's looking down. He's he's looking away while he's while he's doing this. It's not. It's barely like he's even taking charge. He's just frustrated. He's just so mad. And like, and I think that's really, I think that's very interesting, right? Because I think what it reminds you of is the fact that Tenma's not an action hero. He's just mm. a regular fucking guy who's maybe, like, better suited to this than the average person, but he's just been through heinous, heinous shit, and he just wants it to be over. And he just wants to make sure nobody else dies. And so he's not, like, this big guy with his chest puffed out, you know, making eye contact with you and going, give me, you know, like, like let's get this done. He's, like, looking down at the table, and, like, he's so mad he can't even look at them in the eye. He's just like, fucking, guys, this has to happen. He's at the end of his rope, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. not easy for him. That's, that's what this says to me. It's not easy for him. You saying that r- made me realize another one of the, like, this is a different genre of story that gets pulled into Monster. It's Tenma's introduction at the beginning when we're doing medical Oh, manga. my God. Like, how did Holy we miss that cow. one? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, um, it's, it's all over. 
And I think that's that might be what makes this story so good, right? Is it's all these normal people having to operate in this serial killer story. That's so cool. Or that's like one of the best pieces of it, I think. Man, I can't. It's. I'm so glad we we picked it up. This feels like, like a discovery that we have made. Oh yeah, big time, big time. What a very, what an awesome structural teamwork. Uh, to have. You'd love yeah, to see it. Totally, totally, totally. There's actually another. I think there's a. Yeah, when we see <laughs> on the next page, we see the sign again, and they forgot to fix this one. This one says Trijaba. Oh yeah. So there you go. Look so they that. didn't fix every single one. You missed one, guys. Yeah, missed one. Uh, guys, Get on that. <laughs> I, yeah, might want to reprint this. Um, yeah. It seems like localizing manga would be a horrible job. <laughs> just actually, cannot yeah, imagine some, it's very like, fun. I've done some like, fan localization before, uh, just of like some scan leads. Have you, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was for some, like, it was over quarantine when I just needed something to do. Uh-huh. And so we were like, Hey, you know, help us with phrasing and stuff, and and so I just helped scan lead a little bit. That's that pretty cool. Fun. You know, I like I like rephrasing stuff, and and uh, it was one fun. time I translated a software manual from Spanish. That was wow. <laughs> that was that was okay. It's not the same. There weren't pictures. No, no. Was... Yeah, yeah. And we learn about the guy who wrote scary like oh. weird children's stories i gotta know, know what this freak was doing i love a weird spooky guy i gotta know what this dude was doing <laughs> can't wait and and the revelation at the end you know the the thing that that nina remembers that she can't remember i welcomed myself home what a thing to what a thing to find in your head i welcome it's a scary image home. yeah you know, and of course, we the readers at this point can go, well, that's probably Johan. Yeah. You know, but it's it's still, you can still feel how impossible of a memory it, it is for Nina. How can she remember welcoming herself home? It's good. Um, I don't I don't have anything more on 94, so that will bring us to yeah. our last chapter of this reading. Last chapter 95, Greatest Fear. Quinn, what's your greatest fear? Because this was, well, this was mostly a setup so I could do my bit where I say my, my greatest fear is kidney stones. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because it I, is. <laughs> I took it so seriously. That was I was thinking so I didn't hard. mean to throw you into a crisis for a second. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to take anything, anything casually. Fun Quinn fact, listeners, I, I, everything is life or death to me. Yeah. You can um, tell me your greatest fear if you want, but like I, I said. Well, it's just like, it's. You know, I take it too literally, so then I have to compare every fear I have and like do an internal like tournament mm-hmm. ranking of fears. Um, exactly, like I don't yeah, know, you know that's not uh, fun. We can we can I, get back to a, that later for bonus content. A, a, abandonment. Abandonment. Yeah, me too. Actually, that go. that's a big yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, the kidney stones. That was a bit that I one time on a on a date, <laughs> a girl asked me what my greatest fear was, and I said kidney stones, and, <laughs> and then she you did edited sh- it into Final Fantasy VII. Uh huh. It was, uh, it's, uh, that's one of my favorites. It's one Meteor of my coming out soon at some point. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Chapter 95, Greatest Fear. This nurse cannot keep her goddamn mouth shut. Oof. And, uh, lets Johan, as Nina, visit Yansuk's mother. Grimmer and Tenma get to the hospital, learn that she had a visitor, run to the room. She kept the, ca- she kept the tape safe asterisk uh and she tells them that 
Her mind is very clear right now. She wants to see her son. Might not happen again. Uh, so she goes and she and she, you know, tells him a childhood story and uh asks asks God not to let her forget Jan, uh, even as her mind goes. Later, Grimmer, Tenma, and Lanka listen to the tape and listen to the whole thing. We find out Johan's greatest fear is that he will forget Anna. Anna and I are alone in the world. Please let me keep just this one memory. And then, adult Johan's voice comes onto the tape. After listening to this tape, I finally know. I know where I must go. I finally figured it out, Dr. Tenma. Click. What a cliffhanger. I've been waiting oh. to... I cannot wait to read what comes next. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I don't have a lot of uh, of notes for this chapter. I, I don't either. I mean, Johan being creepy, you know, Johan eyes on Nina faces is, is creepy, uh, which we get as he leaves the hospital room. I, him not erasing the tape, but recording a new ending is like fantastic. Good. Because oh, like, yeah. you think that, oh, everything worked out okay. Like you said, the tape is safe. The, the tape is safe. Asterisk, right? It's exactly. like, you're, you're, it's the relief comes. You're like, oh, it's okay. And then, nope, it's, it's back. He's here. He's just as spooky as ever. Yeah. Well, it's like, well, the cool thing is that it, it, it happens in multiple layers. Like, Yopan gets there, you know, and he talks to, talks to Suk's mom, and then we, we see a panel of the tape recorder, and we're like, oh, fuck, Yopan's gonna get the tape. And then the tape is still there, and we're like, oh, great, awesome. He didn't get the tape. And then we listen to it, and we're like, oh, fuck. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's just cool to have that to have that double fake out happen. Yeah. Um here's a note that I did not expect to make. I kind of like this secret police guy. <laughs> Blanca? No, yeah, he I, I don't hate him. Um responsible for atrocities, no doubt. Uh, yeah. Him showing up in the hospital room, like because basically when 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 Grimmer and Tenma show up, they're like, wait in the car, we're gonna go talk to Jan's mom. And then, you know, they're having a conversation with her, and she's basically like, I need to see my son. I need to see my son. And then he's there at the door. We will take you to see your son. Like, yeah. I'm here to save the day. It's. I was like, oh, this guy might be okay. Like, maybe, well, not okay, but like, I kind of like him a little bit. He values family. Yes. He values family. It's hard to It's hard to be mad about a family man. Yeah. Um, You know. I mean, that's and... the whole premise of The Sopranos. <laughs> I was just thinking. I was just thinking about The Sopranos. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, he is he is oddly likable for being for being for be, being responsible for terrible things. Uh, and I think this chapter really cements that idea of of family is remembrance. You know, let me remember my son. Mm -hmm. Let me remember Nina. Well, her pleading with God to remember her son. I don't know. We, <sighs> I mean, yeah. it, religion gets invoked indirectly, right, as like imagery about Johan. But mm -hmm. I don't think we've had anyone talking to God yet so far. And it's That's like true. that is. It is a, it is, I mean, it's, it's powerful. It's, you know, I, um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like you said, the, it ties into the memory stuff that we were talking about, right? It's, this is what she's praying for. And this is Johan's greatest fear is that he will, he will lose that connection. He will, he will lose that memory. Yeah. Between, between Grimmer remembering, remembering Adolf Reinhardt and Nina remembering her brother, mm. And, and so, you know, we have four, we have four separate instances of, of people remembering things close to them. 
uh, you know, remembering things from their past, remembering people from their past, that it, I don't think we've had it so densely packed in a single in a single reading before. And so we can really see that this theme of memory and, and connectedness is hitting the ground absolutely running. This mm-hmm. is central. Um, I don't I don't really have any other notes except for uh, when when Jan's mom shows up at the hospital, she recounts a story of how he broke his arm one time falling out of a tree. And, and well, she asks, why didn't you tell me you were hurt? And he says, well, you know, I, I didn't want to make you worry, which I will say not telling your mom things because you don't want to make her worry is Matt Fennell behavior. <laughs> 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 so we continue yeah. to see why I like Jan Suk. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah, so overall, good. Like, it's a good reading. Um, mm-hmm. Probably a, a better read than a podcast, although we got some good pod out of it for oh, definitely. sure. But I think maybe this reading, maybe more than the other ones, it gives me this feeling of like, man, if you're not reading it, I really wish you were reading it. Yeah. Like, like we could only do so much, you know? Mm-hmm. We, we are not a replacement for actually engaging with the thing. Yeah. Uh, favorite... Tenma moment. Uh, it's him doing first aid to all the guys while Grimmer's giving his, his totally. uh, backup or his backstory. I, yeah. I think for me, it's the uh, the thing that I called that we're, we're sternness. Yeah, enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, like I said, frustration uh, and a bit of desperation too. Totally. Okay. Uh, favorite side character moment. We've got a lot to choose from. Mm-hmm. A lot of good stuff. Man. Uh, this is tricky. Let me scroll through my notes. It is. It is hard. Oh man, I don't know. This one is <laughs> this is tricky. Um, it's chock full. It's chock full. Okay, how about how about, do we have a favorite Grimmer? Uh, favorite Grimmer moment. I liked when he slammed the door shut and pushed the uh the the desk up against his action sequence. Action man Grimmer. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Grimmer? Yeah, that's cool. Um, I think in the end, that's all you've got. Oh yeah. Gotta trust yeah. yourself. That's good. Yeah, gotta trust yourself. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, I would say I think for minor or unnamed, I do like that mob boss showing up to be like, "We'll take you to see your son." Um, totally. Second place for that, I like the couple that's making out when Johan and, and <laughs> Jan are on their on their date. Yeah. Uh, Jan's mom. Mm. Yes, mm-hmm. I knew. Yeah, that's a uh, that one really speaks when he speaks to me uh yeah okay well i i think that's that i think that's our segments uh unless no no we gotta say who's rocking yeah oh i I mean in this case it's gotta be it's gotta be the ex-secret police yeah 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 i did we say the secret police last week uh i don't know if it was or was it orphanage directors my god i don't remember oh it was spies it was spies last week so now specifically we're at the carl lanka Mm -hmm. and he's rocking it is ex-secret that man that man is rocking his his sister and her husband died he put his nephew into an experimental orphanage (laughs) (laughs) that did atrocities this man this man if anyone is rocking he he's sure rocking it's him yeah you're right yeah jesus christ um all right Matt, who hey. are you? Where where can people find you? I'm Matt Fennell. Uh You can find me at blarpole.net, B-L-A-R-P-L-E.net. 
Um, this summer, I'm going to start streaming again soon. Uh, probably, maybe this week. I don't know. Uh, but I'm going to, we talked about Meteor streamer a little bit Matt, last week. Matt. Streamer Matt. I'll probably do some Mario Golf. I'll probably do some JRPGs. Uh, oh, I forgot about the I forgot about the Matt Fennell golf. Oh, Matt Fennell golf. Yeah, it's that's a that's a domain that I own. Uh, Mario Golf sixty four, one of my favorite games of all time. Um, <laughs> as a bit purely for myself, at one point I started uh, it, during the pandemic. Uh, whenever I would see a, a spicy Instagram post from <laughs> one of the women that I had a crush on, I would. Uh, throw my phone into a corner and then stream Mario Golf. <laughs> <laughs> it was your cornflakes. Yeah, it was. It one hundred percent. Um, so your phone into a corner. Got you got you got to throw the phone. It feels Just very good to do. Follow her, Matt. Jesus, I'm Lord. incapable of that. Right. Of course, <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. My um, Jesus. So that's me, uh, Quinn. Where can the people find you? Well, you can find me by going into the woods at night, and you'll actually see kind of a flickering light deeper in, um, and just keep following it. Uh, I'm there, there at kind of the end, uh, and I actually have like a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, if you can find me in the woods, I will give you all of my cool stuff. Just keep following that light. Yeah, now I, I will say it's important that you don't look at any of the stuff that you see happening in your peripheral vision when you're yes. following that yes, light. Yes, 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 yes. Otherwise, you will fall into darkness and never be recovered. Indeed. Um, but yeah, so aside from... Aside from... Cursed journeys uh, into the woods. Deep in the forest. You can find me on Twitter posting once every six months when I release a game. Any percent's out now. Everyone go buy any percent, review it. So out, and I gotta, I gotta order those. I gotta order those prints. I gotta order those those print tests. Uh, very excited about that. Uh, but yeah, my Twitter is uh, at two hundred proof games. Whoop whoop. And you can find my work directly at two hundred proof. That's two zero zero proof dot itch dot io. Uh, you can look at my currently defunct, but uh, actually, actually, maybe now that I'm living somewhere with uh, a functioning microwave. Maybe I'll actually start doing my soup reviews again. So follow me on TikTok for soup reviews and TTRPG content uh, at authenticity.t. Uh, yeah, authenticity.trip. I forgot that they let me have the whole thing. Because Twitter didn't. Twitter, I had to be authenticity TRP. But Twi TikTok uh, lets me have the whole thing. So uh, at authenticity.trip. Um... You can and, find our uh, Patreon at yeah, yeah. uh patreon.com. The fucking Patreon. Yeah, we gotta we Every gotta play the Patreon. Oh, um so you can find the Patreon at uh patreon.com slash Urasawa Boys. Uh you can follow us on Twitter at Urasawa Boys. Uh the podcast is we have Urasawaboys.com. If you go there, the most recent episodes are. Um if you like the podcast, please uh subscribe, rate, review it um please tell a friend you know we don't i try to post about the new episodes when they come out um tell just one friend yeah tell one if friend you tell more than one friend we will delete the podcast and it <laughs> will be your fault <laughs> we will know um yeah if the, if the numbers get too high i'll freak out and delete the whole yeah, thing exactly 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 um you know, but no um, like post it in discord if you know you think it's something that that people would like um if you have someone who likes comics or likes you know range touch or um now i can't think of the other one abnormal mapping or like any of those other networks that do kind of 
uh, media analysis, share this with them. Uh, yeah, we, yeah. we really, really appreciate it. Um, just getting feedback, uh, having listeners at all. It's very fun. So it's great. It's super great. Thanks for coming along with us. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, I mean, if I had to, if I had to like kind of put how I feel about the whole thing into words, it wouldn't be easy. You know, it wouldn't be easy, but if I had to do it, twist my arm, gun to my head, I would, I would probably say, well, well, first I would say, thank you for listening. And then I think, I think after that, last but not least, thanks for being a friend. Thanks for being a friend. <laughs>